0: Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocket twenty-four. That's porkbun P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocket twenty-four. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. many thanks to the one trust team for their support
1: as artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore ai safety and security and that's where hacker one's ai red teaming comes into play rigorously testing ai models to prevent them from being misled or exploited with over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing; they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So, whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com/slash/AI-safety-security again. Hacker1.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Michael Saka.
2: And I'm Joel Steiniger. Today we talked with Kate Matsudaira. She's gonna be keynoting at the upcoming Future Insights conference in Las Vegas. Uh, what do you guys think?
0: This was really interesting. Um, we talked a lot about being a good manager and being even a good employee, um, specifically at startups, but it was kind of uni- universal. And so it was really interesting to hear the things that you could be doing to advance your career um, and planning for your career um, beyond just your, your day, your week, or your your quarter. So what did you guys think?
1: Yeah, we also got a chance to talk about her Kickstarter project that she recently uh successfully launched and it was interesting to hear about the logistics of it and how you go about producing thousands of products under a, a tight timeline.
0: Yeah, and actually for her keynote Future Insights reached out and they're giving they gave all Rocketship listeners a discount code. So if you go to futureinsightslive.com and use the discount code rocketship, you get 10% off tickets for this year's conference. It's June 1st in Las Vegas.
2: All right, let's get into it.
0: We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week I talked to Max from Why Decision about how many domains he actually has as an account on Hover. So right now I manage 104 domains on Hover.
1: And, and those uh, are all your own? There's some of them are mine. Some of them are clients' domains that I, that I manage. All in all 104.
0: Wow. Go to Hover.com and use the code satisfied customers to get 10% off your domain purchase today.
2: Matt, tell me what comes to mind when when you think about starting a new product?
1: Middleman, Git, Rails, Heroku, SSL, SSH, servers, clients, monitoring, logging. Okay, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. Hold on a sec. Like before all that tech stuff, like basic day one, how do you start to reach customers?
1: You just need a marketing side up. You need to start showing it to people.
2: Okay, so start from you know sitting down in front of your computer. You've got this idea, you want to get the marketing site up
1: what do you do? First things first, you need to find a great web host. You want a host who's reliable, been around a while, and is pretty well tested. A host that's easy to work with and ideally inexpensive. HostGator is a great option for this. They fit all those criteria, plus they're offering 30% off your first invoice for all Rocketship listeners. Definitely go check them out today and don't let something as simple as hosting slow you down from reaching your first customers. Visit HostGator.com promo Rocketship to get your discount. You've heard me rave about Codeship before. It's because they're an incredible team building an amazing product that makes my days happier and my code more reliable. Recently, they shipped an incredible new feature. It's called Parallel CI, and it allows for faster testing than ever before. Early access customers like Product Hunt have improved their development speed tremendously. If you haven't yet, tell your dev team to start a free trial. They have a super generous free plan, and they also offer 20% off three months to all Rocketship listeners. Sign up at codeship.com forward slash Rocketship.
0: All right, so Kate, you will be keynoting at this year's Future Insights here in Vegas. Um, Tell us a bit about what you're going to be talking about there.
3: My talk is all about taking charge of your career So many of us have not so great managers or maybe managers that are less experienced. And and while it would be great if everyone just saw the work that we did and we were recognized for it, that's not really the reality of the way things work. And so, you know, you actually care the most about your career. So I wanted to talk about, you know, some tools and ideas to kind of help you take your career to the next level. So it covers everything from you know, setting goals and working towards them to things like, how do you be more productive and use your time really efficiently in the office? So it's a big, it's a lot of stuff in a short period of time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us um, maybe a quick preview of, um, of, you know, one of the action items that you're going to be, you're going to be
3: discussing? Well, probably one of my favorite, and one that I talk to a lot of people about. It, it, well, I'll t- I'll show you two. So the first one is, you know, getting really deliberate about how you spend your time. Um, if you talk to a lot of people in management roles or or other successful people, they end up in a situation where they just they're just kind of doing email or going to meetings, and they might do some real work, but it's kind of haphazardly thrown in. Whereas I really talk to people about, you know, getting really focused on what matters, like what are the skills they want to build? What are the most important things that they can be doing um, to help their company versus just like doing whatever work, you know, happens to be on the forefront of their mind and like really carving out time to do that work. Um, So blocking time on your calendar or just getting really deliberate about it.
0: And do you find that um especially now as we have I guess smaller, you know, in the in the startup world, um, there's a lot less organization than even in a big company. Um do you find that that employees need to to be kind of taking on more of the responsibility of figuring out what needs to be done?
3: Yeah, I mean I think there is especially well, I think anytime you deal with really smart people working for you. So software engineers, designers, you know, a lot of the people in startups are, uh, you know, just really smart people working for you. They don't want to be told what to do. Mm. They want to say in what they're doing. They want to have, you know, they want to feel empowered. They want to feel included, right? All these things. So you really have to give them that opportunity. And and that really implies um, that you're not just like listening to them and taking their opinion into account, but that you're also, you know, leveraging that intelligence, right? Like if you can allow, if you have a hundred people working for you, if each of those people is independently thinking and bringing their own set of ideas and stuff to the table, you're going to be way more successful than if you have one person dictating everything to everybody, Yeah. right?
0: Yeah. So how do you as a leader kind of keep things on track then? Um, to You know, when you have say, 100 people bringing you different ideas that may take the company in different directions, how do you keep everything kind of um, moving forward while while allowing people their freedom?
3: Um, I think there's a couple of really good like techniques. So um, if you check out the book, Turn the Ship Around, um, there's also a great uh, talk on it called Greatness, if you Google for that. Um, it's by a submarine captain, but he talks a lot about how Instead of telling people what to do, he really focused it on, you know, letting people be in control of their domain, helping them have know the intent and the clarity. So they would then communicate, I intend to do this. And instead of saying, you know, and he would say, well, what is that, you know, is it safe? And just ask like the clarifying questions and, and basically try to get everyone to think like a CEO and be the CEO of their own job.
0: Mm. Yeah what are your thoughts on setting the vision and and how that kind of affects some of those decisions?
3: Um, I think it is really important to have a vision or even like company values, like like, which it can influence hiring decisions and everything. But, you know, having a clear, you know, they always, one of my favorite sayings is that, success is a product of a lot of small decisions and that can be the decisions made by your team. So think about all the like little decisions they make every day. Like, do you uh, build this feature with a whole bunch of tests to make sure that it never breaks or do you just get it out there quickly because we're not really sure if customers are going to use it or not yet? Or, Do you uh, write a bunch of documentation on this process so that everyone understands it and can reference it? Or are you going to write that documentation and have it never be read? And the only way you can answer those questions and make those decisions is with a lot of information. Information about your customers, information about your business goals, information about your revenue, information about how your team works together, how decisions are made, the process, all those things. So the more clarity and the more transparency and the more information you can give people, the better, they're, the, the more they'll understand the context in which they're making those decisions.
2: And and I'm actually curious what your thoughts are. Um, you know, a big difference between companies that are really established, you know, like a Microsoft or um, even companies that aren't quite that big is that managers go through a lot of training and there's a lot of structure. Um, but when you're working with startups, um a lot of times they're founded by and managed by a lot of um more inexperienced people that are experts in the actual product and you grow so fast um that you don't have that structure and that training so do you see a trend in um kind of different communication styles and skills that are needed um with those kinds of organizations
3: Yeah, I mean, I do. I think that, I mean, obviously, if you have great training, it'll help you in every aspect of your life. But if you're running a company and you don't have the training or you're working in one of those companies, you know, it's a really on you to kind of think through, you know, if I'm working in a startup and I don't have a manager who's a great coach and who's giving me good feedback, if you want to grow in your career and you want to be more successful, it's your job to figure out how do you get that feedback. Right. And if you are running a company and you aren't a great manager, or you're a great coach, I mean, that's something that's almost always worth investing in. But I think it's also, you know, important in how you hire. Right. Like, I think one of the most critical things a startup can do is is you need to hire people that can work without that management and direction, So sometimes that means hiring more senior people or people that you have really good relationships with already so that you can give them really blunt and straightforward feedback, right? You kind of see one of the two, Um, either you have, or like you have good mentoring in place if you're not the good coach, but you can't just hire people who need good management and then not offer them that, right? Yeah. So otherwise it's just a recipe for disaster for your company and for their own careers and success.
2: So say you're one of those people uh, working in a startup and you feel like you're not getting the direction you need or you're not growing. Um, what kind of things can you do you know, starting today? What can, what can you go online and do?
3: Um, well, I don't necessarily even know if I would go online. I think I would start with Uh, having a conversation with my manager and making sure that the work I'm doing is aligning with the business goals. Um, Because that's part of the problem a lot of the time is that you you just kind of do work that you think is important, but it's not necessarily aligned. So I would start with like that kind of conversation and making sure that you have a really good relationship with your boss. Then what I might do is I would get really deliberate about where do I want my career to be in five years or 10 years, you know, really visualize And say, you know, where do you want to be living? What do you want to be doing? What is your life like? Are you married? Do you have kids? How much time are you spending at the office? How much money is in your bank account? Where are you going on vacation, right? Like answer all of those questions for yourself of what you want your life to be like. And then work backwards and say, okay, this is where I'm at now. What are the things I need to do between now and then to make that happen? Do you need, if you know, if you imagine that your job is like, you're not an engineer anymore, you're a manager. Well, you need to start like figuring out what that means. Like, how are you going to build your leadership skills? Are there those advancement opportunities in your job? Or are you going to have to look for a new company? You know, and I think just really getting deliberate about this is where I want to be. This is what I want my life to be like. And you know, this is how much money I want to be making. And like, if you're not, you know, if you're, if you're just, you know, you're, maybe you are writing content or doing marketing and you really want to be an engineer and write code. Like, you know, maybe you do guard looking online for classes, but I think that the trick is to know where you want to go and have a plan that you can execute on a little bit at a time, right? Because if you go back to that statement that I made that success is a a product of a lot of really small decisions, I always talk about like weight loss, right? Like you're not going to Lose a pound if you're really good on a diet for two days, or versus like if you eat an extra cookie for two days, you probably won't gain a pound either. But if you skip the cookie and you eat a little bit healthier and maybe walk a little bit more every day for three months, will you lose weight? Probably, right? But it's those little decisions, the things that are easy to do, but also easy not to do. And so I think like that goes the same with your career, right? Like if you want to learn to program, like, yeah, you can do a week-long immersive or or go to one of those code camps that are like six weeks, but you could also do a little bit every day or a few hours every week. And in the course of a year, you will have more than done that amount of time, right? So I think it's just being smart and really planning and making a lot of smart little decisions over a long period of time.
1: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, for startup founders, a lot of times... They don't have experience being managers and it's their first time running a team and they're growing the team under quick, sometimes unexpected conditions. Uh, What's your advice for them to learn how to be a manager when they've never done it before?
3: I would say the first thing I would do is hire someone who is a really great manager on my team. So I would try to get someone because, you know, you can talk about having a mentor or whatever outside the organization that but that's not going to help you as much as having someone who can mentor you every day in and out of like as you're doing things. So if I was a founder and I'd never manage people and all of a sudden I found myself like my company was growing and I was doing really well, I would prioritize in one of my roles and it doesn't have to be like technology or doesn't have to be, you know, it can be marketing, it can be sales, it could be whatever, but hire someone who is a really good people manager, who has a track record of people managers, who has a lot of people who would love to work for them again, who has shown their ability to get promoted over and over within the same company, right? That's someone that you know is really smart and, and get them on my team so I can really look and observe and see how they do things and get their feedback on how I'm doing things.
1: Interesting. That's, I wouldn't have thought to go that route, but it makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think like you can get a coach or you can get training and those are good things, but they're not, but a coach or training, it's like, it's, it's, you know, here, you know, here and done, right? Like there's not, you know, and they're not in the everyday with you, but if you can get someone on your team that will be, you're going to learn so much working closely with them.
2: Totally. And I mean, it comes back to people learn best by doing and being, you know, in the trenches doing it. And so, you know, if you're, aligned every day with someone doing it and you can see how they handle all the little things that come up that you wouldn't even think to ask about. It it seems like an obvious, (laughs) obvious move.
3: Yeah. And if you, well, and the other thing is if you set up that relationship is like, Hey, I'm hiring you because you're amazing at this skill and I want you to coach me. Like I want to learn from you and you set it up like that from when you hire them and you make sure you're doing one-on-ones with them and working really closely with them. They're going to be open about giving you that feedback, and it's going to make you better.
0: Absolutely. So I would love to kind of take a step back and and talk about some of the other stuff that you've done. Um, you recently did a, a successful Kickstarter on um, you know, with the Spark Notebook. I'd love to hear about how that experience was for you um, and what Kickstarter was was like.
3: Yeah. No, that was definitely really interesting. I. I really had wanted to have this notebook. It it was something I wanted to exist And for people who aren't familiar with it, it's a cross between a planner and a notebook, which is how I use my notebook. I used it to take like meeting notes and notes with people while I was meeting. But I also used it for my to-do list and to kind of plan my week. Mm -hmm. And so I really created a planner that was like a planner in the front and notebook in the back. So I didn't (laughs) have to carry two different things or I didn't have a moleskin that was like all marked up. You know, I, I wanted something that was beautiful and something I would be proud to take into like a board meeting. So that was what I built. And, um, and, but I went to go get it printed. Like I kind of, I had a designer kind of work with me on it and I was just going to print it for myself. Cause I just really wanted it thinking like, Oh, I'd have to pay $50 a notebook, like whatever, not a big deal. Well, I found out that like, it's really not cost effective to do like just five hundred <laughs> or a thousand. Yes. Like you have to do many that like in order to make it like a, an affordable cost or something that makes sense. I had to print a thousand. I'm like, how am I going to print a thousand notebooks, right? <laughs> and so, so that it it ended up I I, so I was like, well, I'll try Kickstarter, right? And hopefully, and my goal was like, let me just get a thousand a thousand notebooks so that I can print this one so I can have it. Mm-hmm. And I was only planning to do it once, and then. The Kickstarter just took off. It was such a cool experience. But um but yeah, I learned a lot. I wrote some blogs about it um, that you can read, but I I learned so much doing it from like how hard shipping and logistics are for like physical goods and how expensive shipping is. Like yeah. I, I always thought shipping was so cheap because I have Amazon Prime. Yeah. And so I just like, oh, it's free <laughs> to do <days>. day shipping. <laughs> like I've never, yeah, I've never really thought about it. I was always like, oh, you know, and so, but when I was like shipping a notebook and it costs like five or $6, like that's really substantial in the cost of a notebook.
0: Yeah. What is it right? to promote the book? I mean, you had a goal of $14,000 and that would have gotten a thousand books
2: printed. Yeah.
0: But yep, you exactly. raised $138,000 um, for this. What were you doing to promote this to, to get it to that level?
3: You know, um, there was a couple things that we did that I think was really smart. Um, Well, one is, uh, so I have a popular blog and I, I, you know, get a lot of traffic. So obviously I used my existing and, you know, I have a lot of Twitter followers. Well, I mean, relatively a lot for what I think is a lot, but I know there are people with hundreds of thousands, but nothing like that. But, you know, I have a following, like a a people that I can reach out to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I used my network. So that was like the first thing. And I also emailed on the very day it launched every single person in my contact list, okay. which was like a, a lot of people. Um, so because I was kind of like, well, you know, like a blanket email. So that was one thing I did. Um, and and then uh, after that, a lot of it was word of mouth. Um, a lot of it was also, I think the Kickstarter page was really compelling. Um I did some cross promotion with other Kickstarter people who were running campaigns at the same time and that tended to, to do really well. Okay. And then the rest, I mean we tried actually doing Facebook ads but we spent like $700 and we, as far as we can tell it drove like three sales so like we quit doing that okay. like right away. Um I'll just tell you like what worked what didn't. And yeah, then yeah. but uh social media worked really well. So we we had if you read the Kickstarter page where we were giving away uh, free layouts, like a handful of the things is like a PDF, like the designs in the notebook. And that really started people's social sharing. So we actually had Twitter was like our number one driver, um, more than anything else to our Kickstarters into Kickstarter sales. So that was like really unusual according to other people who run Kickstarters. So we really, um, you know, with people sharing it on social to, get the free layouts and stuff. It really helped us like just building that word out and kind of sh- like incentive to share. So that was probably the biggest, the biggest thing that we did that made a difference.
0: Do you know which if kind of community of my jumped on?
3: Oh, actually, we could have sold a lot more, but we ran out of inventory a, a, with a week left in our campaign.
0: Oh, so you already had it ready to to print when you when you started the campaign?
3: No. Well, I really wanted, it was like bad planning on my part. We really wanted the notebooks to ship in January. So in order for that to happen, we, after the first week of Kickstarter, we had to go to print. So that meant that I had to establish the quantity by after the Kickstarter been going a week. So I kind of like projected what I thought. So it was like, oh, we can probably print 5,000. So I felt really confident about that the way we were growing because we were at fifty thousand. So I was like, okay, I can print this and I can afford to pay for it or whatever. But then what happened was we sold that five. Then it started picking up, and we sold that. We once we sold the five thousand, we didn't have any more to sell. So I capped the amount that we could have earned. So we probably could have done a lot more. Interesting. Um, But I didn't want to keep like. But it was too much risk, right, for me to print more, and I had to put pay all that money up front, like in with Kickstarter. You think you get the money right away, but you don't get it till after your campaign ends. And then they spend a week charging people and like retrying cards and stuff. And then it takes like another, or they do that for two weeks, I guess. And then it takes another week to get your money. So it's actually like three weeks after the campaign closes, which is a little bit crazy. And I didn't realize that. And I didn't plan for that.
0: Yeah. So um, can you buy these now or is this kind of a one-off thing that you did?
3: Well, since we had so much demand, we decided we were going to print another print run in June. Okay. So, yeah, you can, um, if, if you want yours in June, you'd have to buy it really soon. Um, but we probably will sell that. We're probably going to print some extra and sell them after the fact. So
0: so for those that haven't done a Kickstarter, I mean, you raised $138,000. Would you say it's it's worth it, or is it kind of a a like fun hobby to do, or could you make this a a business?
3: I think it could be a business. I, I think you know it's um it's definitely a great side project. I mean, I'm really proud of it. I keep promoting it and want it to grow, and I plan to keep printing the notebooks because once, like, you know, with these notebooks, it's like once it's designed you know, you kind of print the same things over and over. Although we're adding like meeting notes, we're adding some new like products too. So it is sort of turning into a business. Okay. Um, But it's, it's, it was definitely, uh, I would encourage anyone who has an idea to do a Kickstarter. Although I should also tell people that it needs to be a pretty serious idea and you need to be willing to put your money behind it unless you're a good designer and videographer because having a great video and great product photos like make a huge difference. Yeah. And so if you so like if you don't if you're not good at like photography or or video and you wanna do a Kickstarter, I would encourage you to like budget, you know, five thousand dollars at least to pay someone to do that for you. Okay. So if you're not if you don't, if you're not willing to put five thousand dollars down yourself, or you can't, like, you know, to kind of like bet on your your campaign, Kickstarter may not be the best option. Okay. Uh, yeah. Unless you can get someone to do it for you for free or for a percentage or something, which I know some people will do.
0: Interesting. Or yeah, you can
3: find it cheaper. You know, people are scrappy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, there's so much competition even on Kickstarter that you got to stand out.
3: Well, yeah, quite- and it's marketing, right? Like it's it people watch the videos, people look at the products and they want to know that you're credible and that if they give you money that you're going to deliver what you say you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's been a a big problem. I feel like Indiegogo is now getting the bulk of the of the bad press on that side, but I know Kickstarter had their problems for a little bit.
3: Yeah, well I think Indiegogo has a little bit more like they're like you get the money even if you don't raise the full <laughs> right. amount. <laughs> right. Right, they, so it's like if you say I need fifteen thousand dollars to print a thousand notebooks and I didn't raise it, well, it's possible I still might be able to raise it, but I also might not, right? Right,
0: <laughs> and you might not just print the notebooks, but you can keep the fourteen. Yeah,
3: yeah, which is sort of like not necessarily good. I mean, imagine there's some backlash, but how would you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, you you really don't. I know the heel bee was a big one for Indiegogo where they just, they raised a couple million on like a health device. And there really was never going to be a a health device. (gasps) I
2: never heard about that.
0: Yeah, it was, I think the team was in, I'm going to say Russia. I don't know though. Um, But it was, they were really hard to get a hold of. And I think Pando finally got them on Skype and they showed them this really janky mock-up of it. And it became very clear before the campaign even ended that, um, that there was never going to be a device because it was literally impossible to build, um, and they they raised a couple million people started pulling their money out, but it was a big it was a big press you know kind of backlash for indieGoGo
3: did they get to keep them did they keep the money
0: yeah yeah and that's the a- that's, that's oh as far gosh. as i heard they they kind of walked and they just kept promising it 's coming it 's coming um and hoping that it eventually die down i think
3: well, I think that um i think that your credit cards have some consumer protection. So maybe I would advise people, if you're going to sponsor Kickstarters, use a good credit card that will give you a refund for yes. your money. <laughs> like That would be my advice. Like Don't use a debit card, which you don't right. have that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> so you are going to be at Future Insights here in Las Vegas. I say here because I'm in Las Vegas. But um, in Las Vegas, um, I think it's June 1st through the 4th.
3: Yeah, I'm so excited. It's going to be a blast.
0: Awesome. Well, where else can we keep up with you um, online?
3: Yeah, well, you can check out my notebook at thesparknotebook.com. And I have a personal blog at Oh awesome. And Twitter? Twitter is Kate Matz.
0: Cool. And we'll link to all of that so they can go follow you. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming say on. Hi. Yes. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> like, Don't say Just hi. follow
3: me, like send me a note because other that way I'll know who you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um and we'll see you. We'll be at Future Insights, so we'll see you there.
3: Yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Kate. Thanks. Right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode
2: of the Rocketship podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out rocketship.fm
0: and make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, WooThemes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocketship listener. So go to Rocketship.fm forward slash essentials.